Anger. Oh, who's looking forward to this message? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning, and um, I'm praying that God would help us, because who knows we need help when it comes to anger. Put, the, put your hand up for the person next to you who's got anger issues. <laughs> well, I have now, let me tell you. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're working through this series called Assassins. We're dealing with the enemies of the heart, the, the emotions that control us, things that happen in our life that shape our relationships, our character, and they, 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 they whittle away and destroy and, and from the inside. And the verse we're sort of basing this whole series around is... Um, that's the one. Above... Is that the one? Yeah. Where's the first half of it? That's not it. What's going on? Okay, yes it is. I don't know what's going on. I'm not well. Okay. Get the CD. That's right. I'll go home now. Just buy the CD and you're right. So, all right. Proverbs 24, 4 verse 23, Solomon tells us, above all, the most important thing you can do in your life is to guard your heart because everything else flows out of it. And I think it's really good advice. So we're not talking about guarding our behaviors or, or doing stuff on the outside. We're talking about guarding the stuff on the inside that we cannot see. We've started off looking at this series by the assassin by the name of guilt. We walk through life burdened by this thing that we, have, we feel we've got a debt that we owe to someone. I've hurt you, but I, I've offended you and I, I owe you. I've taken something from you and I, I owe you. I did the wrong thing. I, I said the wrong thing. I did, but I, I shouldn't have, or I shouldn't have, but I did. I promised, but I failed. We run through life with all these things that, that build up inside of us. I owe you an apology. I need to make it up to you. I need to pay you back. This is the thing called guilt. Guilt says, I owe you. And uh, what guilt does, it drives a wedge between us and each other. And guilt also drives a relationship, a, a wedge between us and God. And I, I don't want to go any further back into those messages. You need to order the CDs or... Jump on the website, they'll be up there soon. I think the first one's up there. And so, last week was Father's Day. Who enjoyed that? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we looked at the, um, the story of the product. Everyone, stretch forth your hands. So you're going to pray for me. That's what we're going to do. I'm serious. Pray. Say, so, Father God, help him. Amen. Amen, okay. All right. We looked at the story of the prodigal son and we saw what happens when we don't guard our hearts. The story of the younger son shows us what, what guilt and, 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 and shame looks like. We also saw the story of the younger son shows us what confession and repentance does. We also looked at the heart of the father that welcomed and restored the son back. The story of the older son, so the prodigal son, the story has two characters, two sons, the older and the younger. The story of the older son leads us to this next assassin. 
Because you'd think if your little brother ran away from home, you'd think when he came back you'd be happy for him. You'd think that you'd go and join the celebration and give him a big bear hug and say, I'm glad you're back. But the oldest son, he was the good guy. He was the guy that didn't run away. He was the guy that didn't waste his father's money. He was the faithful son. He was the obedient son. He was the well-behaved son. And the issue we're going to find with this older son in the story is that his issue wasn't his behaviors. His issue was his heart. So we find in Luke chapter 15, this part of the story, the older brother was, what word? Angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused a single thing you told me to. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Here we see in the heart of the oldest son, the one who had all the behaviors right, the one who was doing all the right stuff on the outside, we see on the inside he was dealing with anger and, and, and he couldn't contain it anymore. You know, as, as good Christians, we can sort of say the right thing and do the right thing and manage it, but it's sometimes it sneaks through our filters. And, and for this old son, anger worked its way out and he vented on the one who least deserved it, his dad. And so, you know, anger is a big deal. For some of you, you can't seem to control this thing. It may not take much poking, poking. It may not take much provocation. But all of a sudden, you can become someone you don't want to be. When I think of anger, I I think of someone big, fat, and green. Not Shrek. Okay, not Shrek. But he's got anger issues. I think of... Poor old Bruce Banner. See, Bruce has got this thing on the inside. And for all his best efforts, all his meditation and all his, all his keeping his heart rate down, Bruce cannot control the Hulk. One of the lines from the TV show, I don't think it made it into the uh, Marvel series. I'm sure my son will tell me. In, uh, Bruce Banner would say in the TV series, he'd say... Don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. Maybe you're a little bit like that this morning. Maybe you're at home or, or with, with your mum or your dad or your husband or your wife or with, with your kids, you're thinking, don't make me angry because you're not going to like what you see. Maybe, maybe you're trying to guard your heart. You're trying to control your behavior. You're trying so hard to keep yourself calm. Because you know if, if there's one more thing, one more thing that happens, all of a sudden something's going to happen that you will regret. See, guilt says, I owe you. What anger says, anger says is you owe me. Because when you're hurt or offended or mistreated, there's a sense that someone's taken something from you. Now we see that in the, in the story of the older son. He says to his dad, you owe me a party. You owe me recognition. You owe me my inheritance. You owe me the freedom to do what I want. And, it's, and, and yeah, dad is just eating, uh, it's eating me up. And the older son started to smash with his words. He started to destroy because the, the creature on the inside, the assassin, had finally managed to take hold of this heart. And the older son smashed and destroyed with his words. You know, it starts with toddlers. 
It does. You take away a toy from them, or a rusk, or a, or a bit of fruit. What? Or you take away from them, some of the older kids, you take away their iPhone, or their Xbox, or their Nintendo. What happens? The Hulk comes out. You know, there is anger. Or you take away their pocket money. Or you take away their privilege. Or you take away the, 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 the opportunity to, <coughs> the keys, or whatever it is you take away from them, and you'll see it. When someone takes something from you, your response typically is what? Anger. Maybe, maybe someone took away your choice. Maybe, maybe someone took away, um, your, your ability to do something and you kick back, you resist because they owe you. You can't take that from me. That choice was mine. Maybe someone at work took to your, took your idea. They stole the recognition they, that maybe they took the promotion that, that you rightfully deserve. You know, they owe you, you, you owe me something because you took something that was mine. Maybe you might be a little bit like me. Sometimes I get frustrated with my kids. Do you guys want to just stick your fingers in your ears for a sec? No. <laughs> it's more so just imagine this scene. You finally got all the kids to bed. This is your time. This is time you can stick Netflix on or Amazon Prime or Foxtel. There's nothing I'm free to wear anymore. So, And you're finally relaxing. You know, you might, you know, just chilled out. This is your time. You've been dealing with them all day. This is your time. And then the footsteps come down the hallway. This is me. Ali's fine. But inside of me, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I'm thinking, kids, go to bed. Nick does this to you still, does he? Yeah. (laughs) He won't go to bed. But, but. For me, it's one little thing that I'm thinking, you know what, that, that's taking something, you're, you're taking away my time and, and that creates something in me that I actually get, if I was to really, I'm just mindful that if I don't guard my heart, that can turn into something. Al, you go and deal with them. Your turn, you know. What about you? Maybe, maybe you had a situation where your dad left or your mum left and they, and they took something that was precious to you. They robbed you of how your family could have been or should have been you know and they owe me because they took something I had no control and they took it from me or maybe your marriage disintegrates and yeah and you're and you're saying you, you took away you, you took away my first marriage or you took away my joy you took away you, you you promised me till death do us part and you you took away that promise you took away that security you owe me that's what anger says You owe me a reputation. You owe me a childhood. You owe me my purity. You owe me honor. You owe me respect. You owe me protection. You owe me love. You owe owe it to me because you should have been there and you weren't been there. You should have been there when times got tough, but you walked out. You owe it to me because you're unforgiving. You owe it to me because you're bitter. You owe it to me because your your words were cruel and and harsh and they, they hurt me and you owe me. You owe me. That's anger on the inside. I'm angry because you owe me something. And then right now you could probably add your own list. What is it that presses your buttons? What is it that gets on your goat? I tried to, um, I preached in India once and I 
tried to use some of those phrases and I didn't get it. What gets your goat? <laughs> you tell them that. It's like, the neighbour? The, the, the leopard? I don't know. So. I say, if someone presses your buttons, or you've got buttons to press. If someone gets on your goat, guess what? You've got a goat to get on. You know what? Guilt says I owe you. Anger says you owe me. And until we deal with this thing called anger, it sits in the shadows of our heart, hiding and waiting for an opportunity to come and to assassinate our hearts. We've got to guard our heart. It's corrupting us. And it's like guilt. It just, it just grows and destroys. And I'm sure you've felt it at times. You know, anger affects a lot of things. It affects our health. Um, doctors would say anger can create a list of things. Muscle tension, grinding teeth, headaches, migraines, increased blood pressure, cause chest pain, trigger a heart attack or a stroke. It can cause digestive issues and diarrhea and ulcers, anxiety, insomnia, nightmares. It can lead to eating disorders, depression, alcohol and drug abuse. Anger can do this in someone. Anger can also affect our relational sphere. It changes the way we treat people. When we have anger on the inside of us, it changes how we treat our husband, it changes how we treat our wives, it changes how we treat our kids or our parents or our friends. It changes how we treat the driver in front of us who did the wrong thing or the waiter who served us the wrong meal. Anger changes things. And we don't even need to be angry at them. Sometimes it's got nothing to do with what they've done. It's got to do with something that was done to you years ago. Unresolved anger. Anger also can affect our spiritual sphere. It affects our life with God. It always does. If we can't deal with the anger inside of you, inside of us, it creates a distance between us and God. We cannot be at war with the brother or sister and be at peace with God. You see, anger is a big deal. Anger can destroy our hearts. It shrivels us and makes us very petty and small. So what do we do with that? I'm glad you're not going home now because you'd have a, you'd have a difficult situation if this is all we had. If we just had to deal with this by ourselves. The wonderful news is that we don't have to deal with this by ourselves. So what do we do with this monster inside of us? Because God doesn't want us carrying that around. God doesn't want us walking around with a machine gun coming out of our mouth, destroying people, destroying family, destroying friends, destroying marriages. God does not want, that's not how God designed us to live and to be. He wants us to be set free from this bondage. He wants you to be set free from this rage that pops its ugly green head up from time to time. Now, most people would think that the Bible's advice to us would be, don't be angry. And on the whole, that makes a lot of perfect sense. But it's not actually what the Bible totally says. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and we'll sort of spend the the next um, bit of time around there. Paul says, be angry. How's that? Aren't you happy he says that? Who's glad for the first bit of that? I like, okay, thank you. I can leave now because Paul said, be angry, so I am. He says, be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You know, the, the Greek word for anger means a number of things. 
And uh, it is a little complex. Anger can mean passion and energy, or to be provoked, to be ag- the agitation of your soul, a violent emotion, vengeful and wrathful. It can mean all these things. It carries all those uh, nuances in its definition. Like guilt, anger is not all bad. Okay, it's, it's not just a, it's not a bad thing. In fact, anger in many ways is a God-given energy given to you to help solve problems. For example, uh, there's a story when uh, Nathan the prophet came and told David about a great injustice that was done. And David got angry. His issue was he's getting angry with himself because it was about him. Or what happened at the time when Jesus went to the temple and the, the, the religious people were using the temple for all selfish reasons and selfish gain. Jesus got angry. That's not bad. Anger, anger itself is not bad. Both of those examples are uh, anger being used in defense of someone else or defense of a principle. And sometimes anger is appropriate. If someone hurts me or my family, anger is something that will happen to me and will rise up to protect. That's God-given. That's appropriate. I've heard so many stories of, of abuse and, and pain and injustice. And sometimes when we see and hear these things, anger is a godly response. When you, when you hear what's going on around the world and the injustices and the, and the, it's just, it makes you angry. And that's right. And that's good. Because that's God's heart. God, God gets angry at injustice. We're in a world surrounded by all sorts of bad stuff happening. And if, if some of the stuff, or if some of the meanness and the cruelty and the greed, if you can live in this world and not get affected and not get angry by the pettiness and the selfishness that, that you see around yourself, if you don't get a little bit angry regarding how other people are doing evil things, maybe God's heart may not be beating in you because anger, God gives you to do something righteous and good. So the first part of the verse is easy, be angry. The next bit is the really hard bit. In your anger, what? Do not sin. Now, I'm sure you can relate to this. It's pretty easy to sin when you're angry. It's pretty easy to lose control of your tongue when you're angry. It's pretty easy to lose control of your hands when you're angry. It's a pretty short step from anger to spite or cruelty or revenge or bitterness or hatred. It's a small step got to be careful we guard our heart from taking that step (coughs) so paul says be angry and do not sin goes on to say do not let the sun go down on your anger does this mean that you stay up all night dealing with issues look sometimes that may be necessary i've heard it's usually um when we do some premarital counseling it's usually these two young people that are wide-eyed in love with one another and they say oh we we make sure that we'd have an issue that we'll talk about it before we go to separate beds just clarify that you know before they go home you know and i think if there there is times when i think it's important for us to deal with some stuff but um i'm not too sure that's exactly what what paul was meaning to say you know because um Sometimes it's impossible to deal with some stuff before the sun goes down, especially in daylight savings. I feel sorry for any, any Scottish people here, Fiona. 
The sun goes down pretty early in Scotland sometimes. They haven't got much time to deal with their anger. No wonder they can be so angry. <laughs> Not Fiona. She's only half Scottish. She's half New Zealander. That's, that's her problem. So. I think what, what the Word of God's telling us here is deal with your anger as soon as possible. As soon as possible. If possible, take care of it before you go to bed. Don't just let it wait. Just don't let it simmer. Don't let it stew. Don't let it fester and corrupt you on the inside. Paul's telling us here, do not carry your anger into the next season or the next day of your life. What he's saying is encouraging us, deal with it while you can. Because the longer and further you get away from the event that caused you anger, the harder it is to deal with it back there. Paul's saying to us here, keep short accounts. If something happens, deal with it as soon as you can. Because you don't want to carry it across into your next day, into your next season. As I said, some people can be angry. Some people may be angry at you. But it may have nothing to do with you. They may have picked up their anger as a child. They may have picked up their anger in, in high school. They maybe have picked up their anger from one marriage or one relationship and just carrying it into the next. One of the worst things we can do relationally or spiritually is to carry the anger that's created in one season of our life and carry it into a next season, into the next day. So the next verse probably gives us a really good reason why we need to deal with our anger, why we've got to guard our heart from this assassin and give no opportunity to the devil. Another translation would say, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. What we're saying here is don't give the enemy, don't give Satan a chance. See, un, unresolved anger, what it does, it gives the enemy a chance. That's what it does. It, it cracks open a door for Satan to come and destroy us. If we have unresolved anger, friend, if you've got unresolved anger in your life, you have given the enemy a, a crack in the door to get in. You give him permission to come in, grab hold of your heart, mess it up, fill it with bitterness and rage and anger. Satan's always looking for a way in. And our anger can crack open the door. A few weeks ago, a couple months ago, we got uh, the NBN connected to the church. And uh, when we have some problems with the NBN, we contact our provider and they dial into our modem uh, and they come and check out our modem settings. And uh, so, for, for, But for our provider to get access to a modem, I've got to open a port. I've got to go into the, the router, I've got to go into the setup, and I'd open the port for the, someone external to our church to get into the modem and check it out, fix it up. So it wasn't that long ago where, uh, where we had an issue and, um, and I rang them up and they said, yeah, can you go online? So they'd, 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 I'd open the door for them, and then when they finish their fiddling, they will exit, they'll close the port themselves. That way there's no risk of anything happening because they open it, they close it. One morning I came in and, and none of our websites were working. And so we're sort of scratching my head and thinking, well, what could have happened here? Now what happened is, uh, is that the provider, I gave them access to our router, which gave them access to our web stuff, but they didn't shut the door. And so luckily they didn't mess too much stuff up. But what I discovered here, anger is just like that. 
Anger is when you allow something, someone external to you, you give them access to your heart. And while that door's open, they can come and go and do what they want. What we need to do is shut the door. Contact with them, talk to them. They're very sorry about that because that's not their policy. And um, see, that's what a foothold does. Anger gives the enemy an opportunity to come into our hearts. And that's why Solomon is saying, hey guys, guard your hearts. That's why I'm so, so keen on this message and I want to get through this one because, because it's important that you guard your heart. Because I know all of us have little cracks, little opportunities that we allow the enemy to come in. And anger is one of those things that, that can so easily leave that door open. So I want to share just for the next probably 10 minutes or so how we guard our heart against God dishonoring anger. I'm not talking about guarding our hearts from anger for social justice and anger for, for protection and, and, and making sure that people are safe and sound. And if you keep working, we're going to skip a few verses and we're going to come down to God actually tells us how to deal with this anger. And you're not going to like it. Sorry. You're not going to like it because there's no magic formulas. There's no, there's no shortcuts to dealing with anger. And in verse 31, what he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Paul's telling us here, simply get rid of it. Simply get rid of it. it the, the effects of anger and bitterness and rage, the effects of that is so, is so evident and it, it destroys life so much, the best thing you can do is get rid of it. It's important to remember, if God is asking you to do something, you can do it. If, if the word of God is saying to you, get rid of that anger, put it aside, get rid of your rage, get rid I can't do it. Well, yes, you can. I've told you to. And, the, and that's the wonderful beauty of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. If God, God's not going to ask you or tell you to do something you cannot do. Through the power of his spirit inside of you, you can get rid of it. You can put it aside. Is it easy? No. But if you don't do it, it will destroy you. We need his help. So God gives you a choice. You can get rid of your anger or you can hold on to it. Chances are if you're here this morning and you've got some anger, you've got some resentment, you've got some bitterness, when you think of something or someone, it stirs all this stuff inside of you and the, the Hulk starts sort of stretching his clothes. If you've got anger inside of you, chances are you have chosen to hold it. Paul says all bitterness... Not 95% of it. I think all means all. Empty the garbage. Take the trash out. Clean out your closets. Clean out your garage. Clean out your roof space. Clean out your heart. See, getting rid of anger is more important than getting even. I'll say that again. Getting rid of the anger inside of you is more important than getting even with the person who hurt you. Well, why is that? Because if you don't, it'll corrupt you. It'll corrupt your body, 
We've talked about the health things it can create, destroy your body, your mind, your soul. It'll corrupt the relationships with the people you love. You don't mean to be angry with them, and it's got nothing to do with them. It's probably to do with someone from before or some time or some event, and it corrupts our life with God. We need to let it go. It's too easy, Mark. It's not easy. It sounds too simple. It does sound too simple. It's not possible. It is possible with God's help. And you're thinking, I have a right to be angry. And you probably do have a right to be angry. Well, he owes me. She owes me. They probably do owe you. They, they did me wrong. She broke her promise. He failed me. I have a right to be angry. And yes, you've got a right to be angry. You've got a right to keep that door open and have that thing inside your heart. But what's more important? Getting even or getting healed? What's more important? Getting even or getting healed? If you, went to the, um, if you went to a doctor and the doctor said to you, you know, you got cancer. Are you going to start wondering, who did that to me? And start getting angry at, at what happened to get to that point? Or are you more interested, doctor, I don't, I don't care how I got here. How do I get out of here? How do I find healing in this space? See, the real issue is, is, you know, how do I get rid of this cancer of anger that is inside of me, killing me and killing my relationships with people I love and killing my relationship with God? How do I get rid of that? And then what am I going to do? Are you prepared to do whatever it takes just to get rid of it? This is not about getting even. This is about getting well. And I know this is a hard word. I know for many of you this is really hard because you've been really hurt. And your anger is deep. So how are we going to do it? How do we let it go? How do we dig it out? I'm going to give you one more verse and hopefully we'll find an answer that I think will be able to help you as you walk out the door today. Last week we were talking about guilt. The last two weeks ago. And the antidote to guilt was confession. The antidote to guilt was confession. This week, looking at anger, we're going to talk about the antidote to anger. If you've got your Bibles open, you've probably figured this one out already. The antidote to anger is found here. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. What's the next word? Forgiving one another just as God forgave you. There it is. It's hard to take, I know. It's probably even harder to do. Instead of retaliating, God says, forgive. Instead of bitterness, God says, forgive. Instead of keeping score, God says, forgive. The bottom line, that's the antidote. That's how we deal with anger. I know it's hard to take. I know it's hard to do. Look, this is a massive topic on, on forgiveness. I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna skim on the surface of it. There's, there's some things I wanna talk about before you go home. And uh, I wanna encourage you, we've got some great prayer ministries that can help you on this journey of forgiveness because it's so important. If you wanna know the answer to your anger, friends, it's forgiveness. And uh, if you need to talk to anyone, the help desk has got information for our prayer ministries and how you can connect to, to people that can pray for you and encourage you and help point you to a God 
who readily forgives you and how he can help you forgive others. But before we, so as I sort of want to start to bring closure, I want to talk about forgiveness. I want to talk about what it isn't, then I want to talk about what it is. That might help you. Firstly, forgiveness is not a feeling. If you wait to feel like I feel like I'm ready to forgive them, you may never feel like that. It may never get done. So your feelings become an enemy in this time because it's a forgiveness is not a feeling. We as Christians need to do what's right, not because it feels right, but because it is right. Number two, forgiveness is not sweeping it under the carpet. I want to tell you, for you to forgive someone, it does not mean what they did was right or acceptable at all. It's not saying, well, okay, well, whatever. What they did was not okay. Forgiveness is not rationalizing it or or giving them an excuse or condoning what they did. Forgiveness doesn't mean you need to trust that person again. Forgiveness may be a gift, but trust needs to be earned back. Forgiveness does not take away their responsibility for their actions. The person who wronged you may have to face consequences. They may have to try to make things right. And the hardest thing, I think, for us about this, forgiveness is not dependent on them saying, I'm sorry. We're not told to forgive only if they come in and apologise to us. If you wait for an apology, they are still in control. If I wait for an apology, well, wait till you, I'm going to wait for you to come and say sorry before I forgive you, that may never happen. And while that never happens, they're in control and you've got this thing called anger inside of you still. So we start the process of forgiving way before they tell us we're sorry. That's when the process of forgiveness starts. Now I want to talk about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a decision that I make. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not, I can't forgive them, it's I won't forgive them. Because according to what I read in Scripture, with God's help, I can forgive them. What I read in Scripture, God's not going to ask me to do something I can't do. So when I find someone who says I can't forgive them, and, and I know they're gone th- I know the stuff they've gone through is hell and painful and hurtful, but the reality is with God's help they can forgive. When they say I can't, what they're saying is, I don't want to. I want to hang on to this. What they don't know is it's killing them. They're more interested in getting even or holding on to this than getting healed. Forgiveness is obedience. Two verses. New Testament verses. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. This is Jesus talking. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't want to be one of those people. Forgiveness is obedience. Colossians tells us this, to to make way, make allowance for each other's faults and what? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Jesus said that. Paul said that. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Why is that? Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. See, forgiveness is obedience. Unforgiveness is sin. Two more. 
Forgiveness is letting God be God. It means I don't require the person who hurt me or offended me. I don't require them to answer to me. I trust that they will answer to God. Forgiveness means that I give away my right to get even and I will leave it God to get things straight. And lastly, forgiveness is being able to act differently. Forgiveness means that with God's help, and this could only happen with God's help, that I can start to act differently, feel differently to the person who hurt me or offended me. And that, that God would use me as a conduit of grace and love toward that person. When I choose not to return evil for evil, when I would try to treat them as Jesus would, and that's hard, and that's a journey. But I think that's what forgiveness looks like. So I'll get our, our team up now. Yeah, this is hard. I know it's hard. Some of you are thinking, Mark, that's unrealistic. You don't know what they did to me. I don't know how badly they hurt me. You. And you're right. I don't know how deep the wound was. I I believe that your anger is probably justified. I believe that you've got every right to have that anger. But I also know what it's doing to you. I know what it's doing to your heart. I know your anger is going to destroy you. I know your anger, if you don't deal with it now, you're going to carry it across to the next thing, the next day, the next relationship, the next season. And I just know if you don't deal with it now, it's going to destroy tomorrow. How's your heart? Getting the junk out of our heart is more important than getting even. Paul tells, get rid of it. Throw it away. How's your heart this morning? Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Let's just take a breath and just sense the grace of God that forgives us. The grace of God that gives us peace. The grace of God that has set us free from sin. And that he accepts us and he loves us no matter what. How's your heart? Do you have some anger simmering inside of you? Do you have an assassin on the inside? Some grudge, some bitterness, some maybe rage even. Who is it? Can you see their face? Can you identify them? question I have is how long how long do you want to hold on to that till you die do you actually want to walk through the rest of your life holding on to that it's corrupting you, it's hurting you you have the opportunity right now to get it out it's a choice, it's a decision that you can make today you can shut the door you can cancel the debt Anger says, you owe me. Today you can remove the debt that they owe you. You can shut the door and you can lock it. 
Guys, don't allow anger to keep destroying you. It's affecting the people you love. It's affecting your life with God. And this morning, I believe if you, if you start or make a decision to forgive, something's going to happen. And so something will happen, I believe, when you go to God and you ask for God's help to forgive others as He's forgiven you, something's going to change. And all of a sudden, when you feel that, that issue come up again, you're going to say, no, I've forgiven them. I don't need, they don't need to owe me. And you can release it. It's going to come up again and again and again. And that thing comes up, that person comes up, that situation comes up. You're going to find when you choose to forgive, at some stage, it's not going to affect you any longer. At some stage, you'll be able to, to see them or meet with them and, and be a conduit of grace and love and to, to treat them how Jesus would. To forgive them whether they knew or knew, whether they knew what they did or whether they knew not what they did. Make a decision, decision today says, I'm, I'm going to shut the door and I'm not going to allow the junk back in. And when you can do that, your heart is clean. The anger, that assassin has no place to hide. How's your heart this morning? I just want to close in prayer. And I want, really want people just to close their eyes for a minute. I don't want anyone to really look around. I just want to give an opportunity for here today. If you've got some anger on the inside and you want me to include you in a prayer, just give me a little wave and say, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many of us, so many of us, so many of us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just thank you for each person that's bold enough to acknowledge the state of their heart. Lord, acknowledge they've left a door open that's been crippling and hurting and changing and affecting their world, their physical world, their, their, their relational world or their spiritual world. And Father, this morning, we want to help them close the door. Lord, I pray that they would make the choice that you just give them the boldness, the simplicity to make a decision to be obedient and choose to forgive. All of us put our hands on our hearts. Just if you're able, just put your hand on your heart. And let's all say this together. Father God, help me to forgive. Just as you've forgiven me. Father God, help me shut the door to the pain that was caused, to the hurt they inflicted. And this morning, I release them from that debt. In Jesus' name. Amen. God wants you to be free. God wants your family to be free. Your relationships to be flourishing. And if we as a as believers, as followers of Jesus, if we can work at guarding our heart from this thing called anger, if we can work at dealing with it as soon as something happens, don't let the sun go down. It doesn't matter if it's the next day, just deal with it. Keep short accounts. And if someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, 
You've got a choice. If someone doesn't come to, they don't come to you, you've got the same choice. It's not about them. It's about you having clean hearts, pure hearts, and strong hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.